Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here with us today. You know, I was listening to the intro and I said, those people that need a second wind. You know, do you have you ever thought of that? Who needs a second wind? Well, some of those people might be a woman that's just gone through divorce, a woman that has lost her mate through death, her husband, whatever, extra friend, whatever. Could be just the change of change of job, change of life. Children are gone. So now you have all this extra time on your hands. So we call that you're in transition. And transition is when you need a second wind. You need that push that says you can do it. You've got everything you need to achieve the the trophy, whatever you're going after. Would it be a job, a change of life, a boost? Do you want to write a book? What is in your future? What is in your body that has been calling, crying, let me out. I am your message. And so that's why this this podcast was really created. I went through a divorce. And so I was feeling I need to offer something to people going through transitions so that we give them the, that energy, that boost that they may need to listen to other women that have gone through this transition, to listen to some men that have gone through more. I, I interview men more as support, what they can offer as support to women going through, because my main target is for women in transition. So anyway, I just wanted to cover that with you today, because I think it's important we realize that we all have second wins. We all have periods in our time that we go through another phase, another phase, and you get to reinvent yourself. I've reinvented myself probably three, four, five times. And every time I get better, and I love life more. So anyway, let's move on because my guest today is a dear friend, and she's also an authority in so many different areas that I really want you to be able to listen to her wisdom in as much as you can. So her name is Leisha West, and she's known as America's Retirement Authority. She is a highly decorated Marine Corps veteran and respected community leader. Now, she has, in addition, she has her own firm, which she has created, West Financial Group Incorporated. But she is a speaker, 
And that's how we met, speaking on the stage. And she is an author and a community leader, as I said. Now, Alicia's leadership skill has made her a powerful force in her community. She serves on the boards of directors for numerous nonprofits and for nonprofit organizations. As a result of Alicia's outstanding volunteerism, she was awarded the President's Volunteer Service Award by President Barack Obama. Awesome. In addition to her community involvement, she is a multi-year member of the Million Dollar Roundtable and was named to the Circle of Excellence by Women in Insurance and Financial Services. I could go on with the awards that Alicia has just acquired. And she is a dynamic person, and so you're going to love listening to her today. And she shares with us and helps us move forward in our transition. So welcome, Alicia. I'm so Great happy to be you're here, with Jill. us. What? Great to be here. Well, thank you for coming back and talking to us. We know we visited once before many a couple years ago, but I've got a whole new group of people that need to hear this fun message. And so we're going to be talking about transitions today and how fun they are and what they bring us. So where does that go? What was the most difficult thing about your transition? And tell us about your transition. I would say the most difficult part in the beginning was dealing with the attorneys, which I'm sure everybody can identify with. Um, yeah. A lot of times, and, and I'm sure there's a lot of really great attorneys out there, but there's also those that don't seem to understand that it's not their money, it's not their life, it's not their assets, and sometimes they say or do or commit you to things that you didn't authorize or that wasn't previously discussed. And oh, so yeah. that was that was the most difficult part, I thought, was dealing with the attorneys. It really wasn't the divorce itself, but... When all these other parties got involved, holy moly, the the whole thing just went in a, a completely different direction. And so yeah. I felt that was was the hardest part. Um, and I know a lot of times they say that, that the men always get screwed. Well, that's not necessarily the case. In my case, I got left with all the debt, and um, my ex wiped out the entire house on Christmas Day. So not only did I have all the debt because I was the, the higher income earner, then I had to start all over. Um, you know, just like I left home after graduation or, or something like that. So um, in, in the beginning, I just wanted to be free. I just wanted him gone. So uh, mm-hmm. the good thing was I got to get all new furniture, change all the decoration <laughs> of the house, get all that energy and all the, the memories of, of the furniture and belongings. Hey, you know what? good riddance. He took everything, so that's fine, which of course speaks to his character. So when I say it like I started over, I mean, whoa, we were starting over. I had hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. So from there, it was all me. You know, all the Mm -hmm. decisions are yours. You're responsible for all your success. You're responsible for all your failures. But I have to say, it was a good feeling to have that independence. Now I mm-hmm. was in charge of all the decisions. I didn't have to report to someone else or, you know, listen to their wackadoodle ideas 
or mm-hmm. any of their skewed, skewed views, I got to make all the decisions. So I felt very empowered and very mm-hmm. independent. And uh, I thought that was kind of the, the beginning of the process of building self-esteem and really getting back on my feet and making all of my own decisions. Yeah. One of the things I can kind of see in your situation, and I, I'm sure, I don't know how you divvied up the responsibilities in your household, but did you, were you making money decisions in the marriage because of, just because of your background? I asked that question. Most of them, yes. But uh, my ex was a nightmare to deal with because he was a spender and I was a Mm -hmm. saver. So every Ah. time I would turn around, and we would have a, a family money meeting or something like this, he would never stick to the plan or he would never follow through or he would not adhere to any of the budget or follow through with any of the agreements, which, of course, mm-hmm. led to, you know, a ton of fighting. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, his money was his money and my money was his money. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I've had enough of this. And so mm-hmm. um, I tried to to put together, you know, budgets and, and this and that and be smart with the money decisions. But, you know, when you and your spouse are not on the same page, you know, that's a whole nother level of, of problems. I know. And doesn't it seem funny that that is usually in a marriage, there's usually one that is better at that than the, than the other. It just seems so strange to me that we are attracted to opposites. And so we have to deal with that issue of uh, he's a better financial or she is, and there's they're married to one that spends and doesn't have quite as good skills when it comes to money management. I think that's interesting. <laughs> and I guess that's the but, reason there's a lot of divorce. But, but it, it's one thing when we come to an agreement of what we're going to spend or how we're going to categorize the budget or what we're going to prioritize our spending or savings on and then one person doesn't follow through with it so it's all yeah. well and good for us to have the the family money meeting but you know mm-hmm. every everybody's mm-hmm. got to got to abide by the agreements that you know that are that are met right well once we do close and once we go through there and i have to say i don't think there's a divorce on maiden on earth that is fair to both parties. One seems to be favored more than the other in the divorce. And I, being the woman in the divorce here, uh, and not the money manager, and not the one that, I managed an allotment, but I wasn't part of the the management, the creative, the creative money. I, would, I did not work outside of the home. And so I was totally dependent upon in that situation, my husband for that money. And, oh, my goodness, I have no, uh, it was like I was looking into a dark glass because I had not had that background. So in in that case, I speak for the woman that hasn't worked outside of the home. I think it's awesome when you have worked outside of the home because you have already started building skills that are, really needed to go forward once you become a single again and have to make that transition. That's so true. Yeah. 
So, so that's why we're so hungry for your words today, because you're a great starting place for giving um, advice and direction to us creating our future. What do we do? Where do we start? Do we use the old people do we, that were working for the, us as married? Do we start fresh? Oh, there's so many questions. So I'm sort of relying on you to where would we start in rebuilding or recreating who we are? Because we need to start positively realizing that we are creating something wonderful and we've come from ruin and now we need to build it and go build something awesome. So all well, that's to say, where thing, would you start? <laughs> the first thing I would say is disconnect the pity part. It's done. <laughs> it's over with. You got it. You, this yes. is the hand you've been dealt. Um, he's gone. Don't continue to, to rehash it with all your friends, families, coworkers, neighbors, and church members. We've all been there, done that. I'm sure they're compassionate and empathize with you, but nobody wants to hear it. Disconnect the pity pipe and get yourself to the beauty shop. The first thing you should do, (laughs) it's time for a whole new you. Like not just on an emotional level, but, but physically take this opportunity to reinvent yourself. This is the beauty of, of post divorce. Retail therapy goes a long way for the healing process. So it doesn't have to be expensive, but restyle your hair, get your nails done, get a massage, get a facial. You will feel so much better. And I think that's part of, of the rebuilding process. So what, mm. what's going to look good on the outside is also really going to help you feel good on the inside. It's going to raise your vibration and you're going to start to feel, feel empowered. You're going to feel good about yourself. And the best thing is, you don't have to worry about what your spouse thinks if he doesn't like your hair color or if he doesn't like your hairstyle. Oh, well, you don't have to get permission. <laughs> you don't have to worry about what someone else thinks about what you want to do or how you want to look. It's very empowering. I thought it was very therapeutic. So the first thing yeah. is go take care of yourself. Get yourself right to, to the beauty shop. And I would say you don't have to feel bad about taking care of yourself anymore. Uh, presumably it probably felt a little self-indulgent maybe to pamper mm-hmm. yourself when you thought, well, you probably should be spending time with your spouse or, you know, now your free time belongs to you. So take care of you. Go indulge in those bubble baths, get a massage, sleep in. You take mm-hmm. care of you. Start, get, start getting yourself back. So I found like right. it was the first thing that you should do. Go buy a new outfit. doesn't have to be expensive, but... Start changing things. Start reinventing yourself. And I think that we can both agree a lot of times you can tell when people get divorced because they start losing weight, they get healthier, they look younger. Uh, Over time, they start looking happier, and they do. They change their hairstyle, their hair color, and then they look amazing, and they feel better, (laughs) and they're happier. I'm not saying, I mean, I'm not an advocate of divorce, but I'm, I'm telling you, divorce looks good on a lot of people. Does it not? Oh, it does. I think what happens near the end of a relationship that's just really not working, we're so beaten down. Both of us are angry and tired, both parties. Um, 
and we just don't have the energy to maybe fight for the marriage many times, or <clears throat> we've gone beyond the part where we could join together and, and uh, want to build a stronger marriage. So when that does happen, and the resolution is to get a divorce, you're right. The woman, the, one of the biggest things the woman has to do is think about what do I want to do today? How do I want to look? Just basics, because we have relinquished that through the in the marriage. So I'm I'm so with you there. In, and, and how in, is it that when we all get married, all of a sudden husbands become some kind of fashionista? They become so judgmental <laughs> on our outfits and our shoes and this and that. And you know, we didn't need their help getting dressed before the marriage. And we certainly don't need their help getting dressed after the marriage. You know, uh, yeah. all of a sudden men, men think they're uh, some type of, of image stylist. And then yeah. <laughs> women look amazing and look better after their divorce. Yeah, that happens, yes. There, uh, I think it's really hard in relationships because we come, both of us come to a relationship with old baggage. And that old baggage is what we saw in our families. You know, how did dad treat mom? How did mom treat dad? And so we come with that baggage and we forget to ask questions about what's my life going to look like? What do you expect me to do? How are we going to live together? Some of the basics. I listened to a woman and she said, oh, you never want to talk about, you know, you never want to marry somebody that that all of the marriage is about uh, like how good he is in bed, how good she is in bed. It's more about how do you work together? How do you look together as a couple? And how do you love each other and appreciate each other? Because if you don't have those, when the sex goes, when the other things go that are that are surface issues, it, it, uh, you're left with... Do they are are they funny? Do they make me laugh? Do they enrich my life? All of those things. I, it was fascinating to hear this woman talk, and I was going. I didn't ask that question. I didn't ask that question. <laughs> it's sort of like, oh my gosh, I failed test one. <laughs> Did you do that? Well, I would what also pre-marriage thing. Say, if you've married someone and you're not interested. In their line of work or your occupation or their occupation, you're going to be bored to tears because what does everybody yeah. come home after work and talk about? They talk about the coworkers, they talk about their occupation, and if you're not interested in their occupation, oh boy, you're going to run <laughs> out of things to talk about real quick, and the conversations are going to dry up pretty early on. Yeah. Let me ask you this about your relationship. Were, did you meet your husband while you were um, in the Marine Corps? Yes, I did. We were both Marines. You, oh, you were. I, tell me how you decided to do that, to go into the Marines. What was, what was your, um, what did you, why did you choose that? Well, I was already a legacy. I come from a very, very long line ah, of Marines. My yes, son has yes. served going yeah. all the way back to the American Revolution, and I always knew that I wanted to, to go to the Marines. And so even as a young girl, I was raised, mm -hmm. I was listening to 
a lot of stories of the military, and um, I just found a, a call to serve, and I wanted to, to carry on our family legacy. So I, I always knew I was going to go and do it. Were you the first woman in your family to do that? Um, I wasn't the first. I was the first female Marine, and more than likely I'll be the last, but uh, I have some aunts that were in the Army, so we, we did have oh, okay. uh, other female. Yeah. We had other female family members that all, that uh, also served. Ah, okay. So that was not a norm. But the Marines, oh, my goodness. Did you go through boot camp? <laughs> <laughs> now, if you could see this lovely lady, you would not that she had gone through boot camp. Did you really go through boot camp? Uh, I did. I really went through boot camp, and I was the, the honor grad and, and graduated number one out of boot camp. Oh, so my gosh. How awesome it was a good is time. that? Wow. Well, you, did you have to stand in the rain and hold the boat over your head like they did in that G.I. Jane or movie? <laughs> no. No, that wasn't part of, of Marine Corps boot camp. Oh, good. <laughs> That, that we did a lot of we did a lot of other we did a lot of other stuff, but we didn't do that. Ah, well, you had to climb up over that wooden wall, I'm sure. Yes. Yes. Oh my! Oh my! Lisa! Oh my! Well, okay. Let's get back on the women that are creating their. Well, what if they did have to go back in and find a job? How would you recommend they face that? Well, I would recommend that you start with what do you like to do, not necessarily what are you passionate about, but what do you like to do, and what is the most amount of money that you can make with something that you like to do. Sometimes mm. what you're passionate about doesn't necessarily pay the bills or bring in money. You know, they yeah. always say, you know, do something you're passionate about and, and the money will right. follow. Well, that's not necessarily, that's not necessarily true, <laughs> what you're passionate about. Uh, may not be marketable. So I would find something mm -hmm. that you like to do that will pay you the most amount of money in the quick, in the, the soonest amount of time. And I would also say for a short-term goal, one of the first things that you want to look at is reducing your spending and supplementing your income and, and really uh, understand that you've got to get a handle on the money early, early on. So, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, yes, it's a tough pill to swallow. Um, it doesn't mean you're going to have a depleted bank account, but I think it's fair to say that a lot of people are very resentful of lifestyle, of lifestyle changes. You yes. know, it's going to come about with the divorce. You have to rethink your priorities. You do have to start fresh. And, and you're right. There, there could be some major adjustments. Maybe you have to give up the family home. Uh, in the, but in the, in the long run, Downsizing could be a good thing. If you go to an apartment or you have a smaller house, that's going to help you rebuild faster because you've reduced your spending and then supplementing your income will just help you get control and get a handle on, on things earlier on. But as far right. as getting a job, something that you like, that will pay the most amount of money that you can bring in in the shortest amount of time. You know, because mm -hmm. you, you want to do something that you like doing. Nobody likes to go to a miserable job. It doesn't have to be, you know, your life's work. It doesn't have to be, be your passion, but something that you like and enjoy doing or whatever you, mm -hmm. you know, 
or even if you don't like doing it, but you can put up with it in order to bring in the most amount of money. So the first thing you want to do is you want to create income immediately and then reduce that spending. Right. Um, how do you go about rebuilding your credit rating? Because you need, in some instances, the credit may have been compromised by either your spouse or just the, her, your picture looks different after the settlement is all done. So well, that's, how do we do that? I would, I would say even before the divorce, if you know that you're, you're headed down that way, I would freeze yeah. your credit. That's very, very easy to do so that nobody can take out any more credit cards. Freeze your, freeze your credit and don't open any other accounts or incur any other hard inquiries. I would try to protect your credit the most that you could and try not to take on, try, try to get the other party to take on the debt, not you, especially uh-huh. if they're a higher income earner. But there is a lot of cleanup to do, especially if both of you are co-signers on a credit card. One person's yes. got to come off or close down, close down that credit card. You want to change everything. But as far as rebuilding credit, I would be mm-hmm. focusing on bringing in income and reducing spending before necessarily dealing with the credit as, as a oh, priority. Okay. Because if you don't have income coming in, then what, what good is credit going to do? Because you can't, you can't make any payments. Yeah. If okay. you have you don't any win. debt on your credit card. Yeah, this is not the time to do, be doing credit when you're building your finances, right? I wouldn't say it's a priority. You definitely want to want to protect it and get it paid off. Definitely pay every keep making your car payment, keep making everything on time to just maintain mm-hmm. your credit, but this really in my opinion is not the time to go get another credit card or you know, rebuilding your credit would not be the first priority. Like, you know, get through the first year, go through all the first, kind of get a handle on things, figure out where your income's going to come from, and kind of settle and adjust to your new, your new spending habits. Mm-hmm. It's because yeah. it's, it's going to be a lot different, you know, when you get reduced to a single income family. So I would just say credit would not be the first priority in the first year. But to keep a watchful eye on it, yeah, just because you don't want any other account opened up, you don't want any inquiries on your credit. I would freeze it, so they cannot, yeah. they can't do anything with it. Yeah, how do you do that? You just contact the credit and say freeze it, right? Okay, you contact you. Okay. You can contact the the credit bureaus. It's very very easy to do. Uh. Well, we are going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to be uh, talking about more questions, as you can see. Um, Isn't she fascinating? (laughs) You are, Alicia. You're so full of knowledge. I just, which direction do I want to go? It's fascinating. So we are going to go to a short break. And when we come back, we'll be talking more about finances and how you can stay positive in this transition. Because part of the battle in getting through it is that you have a good mindset, even though it's a difficult time. 
It's find the good in the day. So we'll be, we'll be back shortly. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. I'm
I'm still here. Welcome back. We're talking today with Alicia Rift, and we're talking about the good things about divorce, the upside of divorce, and transitions, the upside of losing a a partner in whatever form that they leave. So anyway, Alicia, tell us some of the upsides of the divorce or loss. Well, surprisingly, there's quite a few upsides and advantages to being divorced, as uh, funny as it may sound. Well, there's a few things. First of all, you actually have early access to your retirement fund penalty-free if you need it. Not that this is time for a free-for-all, but divorce is one of the few times that someone can pull money out of a retirement account early. And when an agreement, the agreement is known as a qualified domestic relations order. And when that is reached as part of a divorce decree, it does allow for an early withdrawal from the account. The money is exempt from the 10% penalty if you're younger than 59 and a half. Now, although that income tax still has to be paid, uh, if that money's not rolled into an IRA. So that is one of the advantages. Uh, I, don't necessarily recommend cashing out as part of a a retirement account. That can certainly be a risky move, but it does give a newly divorced person some options that they may not have otherwise have. And if you don't have savings, that is an option and that is a backup plan. And a lot of times you can actually get people in a better cash flow position with some alternative investments. So that is a good thing. So if you're going through a divorce, you do want to make sure that there is a qualified domestic relations order as part of that agreement that you reach in your divorce decree. So that can be a good thing, and that can kind of provide some relief and uh, and loosen things up a little bit and, and uh, give people some breathing room. Um, I would say the most important part is that it's just easier to budget and get control over your money. The the end of a marriage means the end of all the fighting. And I was very happy to see that day, I can tell you. There's no more struggle over how we're going to prioritize the money. There's no more evening spent begging, cajoling, pleading, you know, with your spouse to rein in the spending. There's no no more of that. Isn't that a good feeling to know, you know, your money is your money. You're going to spend it the way you want. You're going to save it. You're going to do whatever you want. That's a great, great feeling. You know, on the other side of divorce is a lot, a lot of freedom. So, you know, we talked about reducing the spending and supplementing your income. Now you get to decide what you're going to do with all your money. That is a great, great feeling. And if you have a retirement account as backup, now we're getting somewhere. As it relates to children, this provides a lot more financial aid for kids for college. And the reason that is, 
is because when you fill out the free application for federal student aid, known as the FAFSA form, <laughs> they only they only require the financial information from the custodial parent rather than both parents. However, the child support and alimony uh, from the non-custodial parent, that does have to be included. However, if you have a good attorney, then they can structure your settlement to minimize the income of one parent so that your kids can actually qualify uh, for more financial aid. So um, that's a little-known benefit of divorce, but I think that's pretty significant. Right. Um, Right. and, and And I would say just as a, you know, just as a side note, forget saving for college. That's what student loans are for. Kids can pay for their own college through scholarships and loans. Your savings, your future health costs, and your retirement, that all comes first. Your kids have their whole life to pay off student loans. They need to start learning about managing money. And in the event that they quit school, you won't be stuck paying for an, ed- an education that they never got. So if, if you're divorced, you're down to a single-income family, hey, kids need to be responsible for their own college costs. You know, millions of people have done it. There's plenty of scholarships, plenty of loans, and plenty of resources, uh, not the bank of mom or the bank of dad. And so uh, I know that's probably fairly controversial, but, you know, that's just a fact, ma'am. And I think that also... Yeah, it's a mind shift because we've all grown up with the parents took on the responsibilities. And when you go through divorce, you really do have some money adjustment. So I love that you gave us permission to think outside of the box and realize something that's really important because that can be an uh, unbelievable burden for a mother um, or a single dad um, during this time. Yeah, that's great. Well, there's just so many other resources out there. You don't always need to look to your family member and your parents. At some point, Mm -hmm. you got to teach your kids to become resourceful and to become creative and innovative. And for crying out loud, what's the motivation? If mom and dad are paying for it, how motivated are you to go to class and keep your grades up and graduate? You know, it's no different than when you buy somebody a car or you're paying for insurance. I can tell you when I'm driving who's paying for what just based on their driving habits. If you pay for your car and you pay for your insurance, you're probably going to be a pretty responsible, safe driver. If everything was handed to you, how are you supposed to learn responsibility? Yeah. It, it, the same with, with the college education. Hey, you're not paying for it. So, you know, this next generation has to learn to be resourceful and to, to take it seriously. Like, that's all you. And with that, I would say don't co-sign for any loans or credit cards because that will get you in trouble quicker than anything, especially when it's not your fault and someone else's poor financial habits now get you in trouble and now you've co-signed for some type of loan or credit card and you're coming out of divorce and now you're down to a single household income and now you've got in trouble financially because of other people. So I would definitely say... Don't co-sign for any loans or, or credit cards, you know, just staying within that thread of financially supporting other people, whether that be college or 
or what have you. But. Well, I just want to share that I think it's such an part of helping your girls. Now, I don't care what age they are. They are. They're all your child. Mine are 30. He's my father. And I think it's really important in building their self-esteem to the family finances. They're old enough. They're, they're far advanced over where we were from high school. They're so much more mature these days. But in some ways, we have almost crippled them by giving them too much so that they, they're maturing later, they're, caught, they're experiencing more difficulties because we haven't given them the building tools that they need. And just being able to face financial difficulties, such as the transition that cause, and know they can take care of it, is is major, major in helping them grow up and be responsible. Just major. So, anyway, I like that. I like that a lot. I think so. And, and quite frankly, George, this is, divorce is an opportunity to reset your financial priorities. Even though we talked about earlier how sometimes you may resent having to, having to downsize your, your lifestyle, this is a yeah. fresh start. This is a, a good thing. Uh, you don't have to have a depleted bank account, but even on the lower income, divorced people can build their wealth by making smart use of their resources. That's what I did. Like this, yeah. The reality is not everyone's financial situation is going to improve with divorce, but some people are surprised to learn that it actually does. You know, you know, I've had clients tell me, you know, they were surprised on how, how much money they had because they got rid of the spender or they were smart and resourceful mm-hmm. and, and responsible. So, you know, getting a divorce isn't something to rush into, but if you're in that situation of a crumbling marriage and you've got finance problems, um, don't despair. You know, you may come out ahead financially. Uh, but you have to look at, at the, the, the lifetime result of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times you will have, you will have a better bottom line. Um, yeah. Maybe some other things. You definitely want to change everything. And I say, and I mean everything. Change banks, change everything. Make, so when you change your banks, change all of your investments, change everything, and I would actually change people that you work with. I wouldn't keep the same financial advisor. I wouldn't keep the same attorneys or accountants. Whoever the professionals are that you that you went to when you were married, I would even change dentists, churches. I would change everything. It's a divorce. You don't need the memories. You don't need the people. I would change everything. I would also change all of your passwords everything that you have. And when you do change your passwords, remember your ex knows all your security questions. He's going to know mother's maiden name, you know, all the security questions that are commonly asked. You want to make up all the security questions. So you want to make up your mom's maiden name. You want to make up all new security questions that someone else doesn't know that you know, that are not really the real security questions. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. You want to create new ones. 
yeah, create all new stuff and change, change and, and, uh, and lie about all your security questions. So it's something that nobody could, could ever figure out your mom's maiden name. Pick a, a hyphenated foreign name or just something so far out there that in the future that could not be, be used. I would even change the satellite radio subscription, subscription in the vehicle. Like change everything. Well, one of the reasons I think women tend to stay with financial advisors and bankers and attorneys is simply because they feel uncomfortable and ill-equipped to deal with those people those professionals, but I want to share with them that there's no other way you will learn, and they are more, they are realized. They don't expect you to walk in knowing all of this information. All you have to say is, I'm new to this, slow down, let me catch up. And once you walk in there with the power on your side of saying, exactly who you are, where you are, and what you want, you will be surprised how these people will step up. And, I mean, not staying with the same attorneys, but moving on to another attorney and just expressing to them where you I think people are pretty empathetic and compassionate when it comes to something like that. And you express to them that you're just changing everything, I think that, that those conversations would be well-received. Do you want do you want me to keep talking so you can edit some of my talking points? Oh, I've been on the show before. That's fine. So I, um, I'm back with Alicia, and we are talking about good, important steps that you need to make in your transition. Now, Alicia, were you, that one about changing all things was so interesting. 
and so necessary. So I would, would like for you to share how people that might have some questions that we haven't completed today would be able to find you. So would you share your information, please? Sure. You can find me on my website, westfinancialgroup.com. You're welcome to send me an email directly. I do read and answer all of my emails, which is Leisha, L-E-A-S-H-A, at westfinancialgroup.com. And I'm happy to take on any, any questions or provide any guidance or resources to your audience. Well, you also, because I mentioned this earlier that you are an author, tell us about your book, because I, I want a copy. <laughs> I know it has to be, but what is it about, and, and why did you write this book? My book is called Retirement Safe House, and I wrote it because there's so much information about money out there, some of it good, some of it not so good, and I think when it comes to retirement, it's a very, very complicated topic, and people really don't know what to do with their money when they start approaching retirement or certainly when they're in retirement or in the later part of retirement. So I really wrote that from the heart. Um, like you said earlier, I do work with a lot of retirees, and so I hope this gives people direction earlier in life how to plan and set things up to make the last part of life in your retirement years as easy as possible. So I talk about the safest places to put your money where you're still making money and you have that versatility where you can use it and cover all areas of life, long-term care uh, in the event that you would need to have some type of, of home care. Uh, certainly we want to minimize taxes and have your money accessible and also make it very easy to plan for your beneficiaries and for the next generation if that's what you choose to do. So I will make sure I get your copy in the mail today. But um, uh, when retirement is definitely a read for anybody that plans on retiring. So if you want to retire, you got to read Retirement Safe House. So when would you recommend people start preparing for those years? Is that, is that honestly as honestly as early as possible? You could set this up. You could set things up for for your teenagers, even in your working years, in your what we call the accumulation years, where you're mm -hmm. accumulating your savings and and your retirement for later in life. There's never that's such a good question. There's never a right time to start. Start now. Start when you're aware of it. There's never really a never really a right time. And a lot of times, sometimes you get forced in situations, you know, maybe you get hurt, maybe you become disabled and you can't work, and then now you have to start m making plans. So there's, yeah. n it, it's never too early to start. Yeah, right. Well, um, where can they get your book? Um, my book will be on Amazon, actually, tomorrow, August 1st. Yeah! <laughs> so it's actually being launched tomorrow. Is that Correct. Oh, that's so exciting, Lisha. <laughs> we should all go buy it tomorrow so you'll, have, so you'll become a bestseller. For sure. 
right? I would would very much appreciate that, but it's a, it's a good read. I hope people get get a lot out of it and and absorb the information. Yeah. Well, what would you suggest us to do? What was the biggest thing, the best thing you did when you finalized your divorce? And I know you you took pretty you took care of your finances because that that's who you are. You that's your, that's what you do really well. So, but there are always some things that we incorporate in that we are surprised that maybe we weren't doing them or we integrated them into our life. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, I do. For me, it was, I'll just give you a little hint. For me, I had totally isolated myself from singing and I so love to sing and so I kept um, avoiding that I also isolated myself from community service work and I began doing that again and it was just it just seemed to help balance my life immediately once I incorporated those things that really fed my soul uh, for me, that was the biggest thing I learned about me going through my divorce is you can't just isolate and become somebody you're not. You must use those things. So quickly, can you tell us what you did? Oh, that's so funny. You're right. You kind of get your you kind of get yourself back. My husband, yeah. uh, my ex didn't like football. And I love the Dallas Cowboys. And so when I was married, we weren't watching football. I love country music. So <laughs> as soon as he was gone, all of a sudden, I'm back to listening to country music again, watching Cowboys football, cooking all the food that I wanted to cook and eat. And I just got my soul back. But to answer your question, I sat down and just decided, you know, what do I want to do? You know, um, if your husband didn't want to dance, then – you never had the opportunity to do ballroom dancing. If your husband didn't like the theater, then you probably never saw a Broadway show. So when right. you start to sit down and get rid of all the baggage, then you have plenty of time to, to do the things that you wanted to do. So I was yeah. back in the gym. I just, yeah. yeah, I just got my soul back. Yeah. I, had a, I think that's the most important thing, the lesson that we can share with them today. I mean, the finances, yes. But getting your soul back is awesome. So thank and you very much, Lisa. We're at the end. We've run out of time, believe it or not. This has been so much fun. So I thank you so much for being with me today and sharing thank all you. of your wisdom. Yeah. So I will be with you next week. I look forward to sharing a wonderful guest again. And I hope that your week is full and rich. See you next week. Joyce Buford returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System. 
Women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services and 